one of the things that I noticed in my life was that when things became difficult and I was getting to uh, like a next phase in my life or a next phase in my business, that my first deal would be to look at everything that was wrong with that situation. And my ego would start to really talk me out of it. It would start to negotiate against my future success because it was keeping me safe, not successful. What I realized was if I have this pattern time after time, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna create these loops in my life rather than levels in my life. I don't want loops, I want levels. Hello and welcome, this is Brian Delaney with Unlock Potential, where we get together with top experts in their field who have simple, profound advice to help you and I live better lives, to be able to be more fit to serve the people around us and answer that question, the question that nags within all of us, how good can I be and how great can I make it for people around me? Hello and welcome to Unlock Potential. I'm your host, Brian Delaney. I'm very excited to take a deep dive into my conversation with Cicely Newsom, break down some of that conversation to create opportunities for breakthrough for you. Uh, one of our dear mentors once said, you know, every time something happens, your brain is going to put a file into the filing cabinet. Yeah. And the next time that thing happens, whether it's good or bad, your brain is going to go to that file and say, oh, this is what I do when. When it gets hard, I, whatever the file says, when it gets hard, I persevere. When it gets hard, I quit. When it, and so these affirmations really just help me completely wipe out the old files and start replacing them with better files so that I just had more resources in my filing cabinet when things got hard. I love that Cicely uh, breaks, breaks out that metaphor because I think it's so perfect uh, when it comes to our brains and exactly how it works, right? It's not my fault how I think, but it is my responsibility. And I know my brain is, whether actively or passively, it's gonna create patterns. It's gonna look for these things that repeat to tell it what to do next. I heard it uh, just this week, one of the, uh, one of the people who I like to listen to on YouTube, uh, Alex Hermosi, he talked about how our brain is a forgetting machine, right? Well, it also, with certain core memories, it's a remembering machine and an application machine. And so what it'll do is it will continue to apply patterns, whether they belong there or not. And one of the things that I noticed in my life was that when things became difficult and I was getting to uh, like a next phase in my life or a next phase in my business, where I was pressing up against the resistance that had kept me out of that level before, um, that my first deal would be to look at everything that was wrong with that situation. Just to be so critical. Oh, well, I don't have this resource. This person isn't doing this for me. I don't have what I need here. I'm just not that type of person. And my ego would start to really talk me out of it. It would start to negotiate against, against my future success. And because it was keeping me safe, not successful. And so what I realized was if I have this pattern time after time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create these loops in my life rather than levels in my life. I don't want loops. I want levels, right? I don't want to just keep going back to the same place time and time again, but that's what my brain is. Gonna, that's how my brain is going to operate. So when things get hard, I run back to my comfort zone. When things get hard, I look for a way out. When things get hard, I fill in the sentence for you. 
How do you fill in that sentence? For me, it was run back to what I know, dive back into my comfort zone, avoid the critique that's going to come with me having to learn this thing as a beginner rather than being able to be an equal. And I found myself in a position and I, I heard this gentleman from uh, within Symmetry as I was getting started. His name was Ed Orell. And Ed Orell was uh, just a, this charismatic sales guy. He was like, if you could picture the opposite of who I was as I was getting started as a shy, awkward uh, young man who's doing all he can to provide for his family but doesn't have very many sales skills. Well, this guy was on the very opposite side of, my, of the spectrum from, it, from me. This guy was brash. He was willing to say what he meant. He was willing to lean into it, create space for uncomfortable conversations. And just really, he owned who he was and he owned uh, the audience that he was talking to. He just, he had this sense of uh, presence about him. And he taught us this concept that the next time something hard is gonna, uh, comes up in our life, the next time we have difficulty in our marriage with our kids, with our work, uh, with, you know, a difficulty learning something that we, we're going to go back to our filing cabinet. So are those files going to be placed actively or passively by you? Are you now looking at every decision you make as another file that you're going to reference back to? Because I know for me that when it came to it, I had to stop referencing the files of quitting, of going back to my comfort zone, of putting myself back in a position of safety. Uh, and I had to start accessing files like I was a beginner before. I've done this before. I, I've learned things before. I know that it feels uncomfortable, but that's normal for being a beginner. I know it feel I know it feels like you'll never be able to do it, but that's how new feels. Right. And so I started accessing those files and just imagining being a beginner again. And that's what allowed me to get to the next level was getting okay with being a beginner because I had been a beginner before and I remembered how it felt like I was, you know, I was all thumbs and two left feet. I, I remember that feeling and just like not liking that feeling. Just because I don't like a feeling doesn't mean it's not necessary. And so being able to go through those feelings with the context of like, all right, I know how this show works out. I know how the scene works out. What I'm going to do is I'm going to occupy my brain with what do I need in order to be the best I can right now rather than what do, I, what do I need to get out of the discomfort of this situation that while I feel like it's hurting me, it's actually teaching me a lot and it's preparing me for the next level rather than the next loop. When it comes to, when it comes to how, our brain, uh, how our brain works and how really the different parts of our brain work, right? So we have parts of our brain that uh, require very little, very little energy uh, in order and those are, uh, that's, uh, that's that limbic system, right? When this happens, this happens. When this happens, this happens. They call that our older brain, our lizard brain, whatever it is, but or subconscious, right? Um, that's that's how that work works. Other parts of our brain are meant to notice things, right? They just notice things, and then we have this whole prefrontal cortex that takes all that information and judges it, right? It judges it. That's what's happening up there. It judges it because it has to decide: is it worth keeping or not? Are we going to die or not? What's going to be the best decision in order to get the best outcome? And if you look at your brain uh, as a, almost like a, if you've had a good parent, right? A parent that's looking after you, right? Is that parent want you to do risky things? No, that parent does not want you to do risky things. Maybe your dad does, right? That's the good parent, good parenting of a dad. But if you look at the brain as a nurturing mother, right? 
it doesn't want, it, it says better safe than sorry. It says no risky stuff here. Let's just keep it. Let's just keep it on the line. Don't tow the line, walk the line, right? It's, it's take care of yourself. It's, it's do good things. It's be included in the group. It's all about these survival things that are built into our system. So we don't get cast out of our group and, un, and we're not able to take care of ourselves. And so what we have to do is we, have, we just have to be aware. I have to be aware that that's the brain's role. The brain's role isn't to contradict itself. Otherwise, that might, be, that might be a different label, right? That might be schizophrenia if I've got too many voices talking. But I have to be able to take that thought to the next level. Not everything I think is true. In fact, a lot of times what I have to do is I have to get from the partial thought to the full thought, right? I have to get, I have to get from one place to another. And what it'll say is, you know, it's better to have a secure job, right? Well, explain to me why it was better to have a secure job when during COVID, all these companies that, ha- ha- that hired employees into these secure positions, all of a sudden they weren't working anymore and self-employed people still will, still were, right? If that was so secure, then why, why did it end up in an insecure place, right? It's just because the brain tells us, it, it feeds us these scripts and have you informed your intellect have you educated your emotions, right? Have you, have you like given the right information to it? Because when I'm in a situation that might say, oh, this is scary and I flinch, I might miss an opportunity to really get, make that difficult situation into a better situation. All simply because of what my brain initially said, flinch. I don't need to flinch. I can just breathe. I can just see. I can be, right? And, um, and I think that's, I think that's all part of, that's all part of this whole thing, this whole process that we get into, um, when it comes to this, um, when it comes to just dealing with difficult things, because if it's easy, it's good. That's what your brain's going to say. If it's easy, it's good. Your brain's always going to go down the path of uh, least resistance. It's our higher mind that is actually able to say, you know, that's easy, but that's not valuable. That's scary, but it's not dangerous, right? That's hard, but it's not bad, right? And I think we have to access, we have to give ourselves that opportunity and that time to really calm down those immediately reacting parts of our brain just by doing a breathing exercise. There's Andrew Huberman, there's uh, uh, so many people right now, uh, Tim Ferriss, they have all the box breathing, they have all these different tech, uh, they have all these different uh, we'll call them uh, technologies that you can use for yourself uh, in order to get this um, from this book right now, High Performance Habits. Brennan Burchard has this awesome thing called uh, Release Tension, Set Intention, which is just a simple two-minute br- breathing exercise that I happen to do a lot. And it's like slowing down so that I can be present here too, here too, here too, here too, rather than just being present back there and trying to handle the present while living in the past. We know that there's an infinite uh, set of numbers, right? An infinite set of numbers. Nobody has ever gotten to the last number, right? That we have a universe that's infinitely expanding, right? So we have an infinite set of numbers and there's an infinite, uh, there's infinite space between one and 100. There's infinite space because you can fractionalize that down to a space that's so small. Right. And we know that because 
what we know scientifically, not by looking at it, but that there are, there's more air in here than actual material in this. What we see and what we experience is a solid object, but there's actually more space between the atoms that make this up than there are atoms, which is amazing, right? Because what we experience this is, is just one thing. It's just a, it's just a table. It's, 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 it, this is just another one night stand, right? <laughs> the, this is just a table, right? Um, but it's infinitely more complex than that. So now we take apart time, right? So how much time is an hour, right? It depends who you spend it with, how you spend it. Have you ever had an hour that felt like it was the longest time? It was excruciating for me when I have to do bear crawls in the gym. If I have to do that for 15 minutes, that feels like 15 hours, okay? For me, when I'm spending time uh, with my son or with my wife and we're doing things that we love or I'm in a flow state at work, those, these hours can go very quickly. They can feel like minutes. Sometimes the mile feels like the marathon. Sometimes the marathon feels like the mile. And so my journey, especially as I've continued to uh, just have more experiences talk to more people. I had, uh, I had my coach, uh, Corey here, Corey Duvall here. And what he, and one of the things that he's really brought to me is the opportunity to be aware. Can I be aware of this day, right? Because if I can be aware of this day, I can be aware of a set of, t- I can be aware of an evening or I can be aware of an afternoon or a morning. And then from there, I can be aware of an hour in that time and I can be maximally aware in that hour. And then I'm, I'm going to have a little bit less awareness over that period of time. But how long can I have that awareness? How long can I check in and like actually be in that moment for? And I think that's what it is. It's like, can you slow down time? Can you slow down time? And when things are difficult, they feel like they're all happening at once. They feel like they're all ha- happening at once. I remember learning how to drive a stick, right? And it was all happening at once. I was letting go of the clutch all at once as I was trying to shift. And I, it was a really rough ride, right? It was like, we, w- we would go a foot, but to my dad who was sitting in the passenger seat, it feels like a mile, <laughs> right? And, but to me, he was like, oh, no, you have to slowly let off the clutch and slowly put it into gear. And you want to look at the RPMs that they have to be of, above 2,500. And you've got to check the diff- distance between the car in front of you and the car behind you. And and notice what the slope of the vehicle is. And it's like, how am I ever supposed to do all that? Are you kidding me? And we, we describe all those parts and pieces, but we realize that they're driving. Well, what if living, being aware, being present, breaks down in a very similar way? It's can we slow down the panic that we feel because we're emotionally heightened, because we don't like to be a beginner, because we know there's pain associated with it, and our brain is there and it's got that file. And it automatically slips into this adrenalized, heightened state where there's not really an opportunity to learn. There's not an opportunity to slow down. So how can you slow down in those moments to access the right files? Well, number one is I've got to have more of the right files in there than the wrong files. That's it. It, Have I built a pattern, whether large or small, of success where I can pick from some of those mental files and go in and grab those? Second thing. Can I slow down in this moment to decide what I really want rather than just what I'm feeling, just what, what emotion I'm having or what feeling I'm assigning to that emotion, right? Can I slow down in this moment and say, what do I really want out of this? 
Is it another argument? Is it another argument with somebody who I disagree with? Right? I've never been in a situation where I've been in conflict with my wife where I was like, you know what I really want? Conflict with my wife. That's what I really want. I want an argument. That's it. I would like disagreement between me and my soulmate. That's what I would like more of. I've never been in that situation, but I have been in the situation where I've stepped back and I've stopped the momentum of assumption and a- accessed the file that said, when things like this happen, what I need to do is remember that my wife is a human being, that Tori is a human being that has, has needs, wants, dreams, and desires that are just as relevant as my own. And am I acting in, according, in accordance with that belief? Right. And so the, this is where I can start to subjugate my emotions and the feelings I have around those emotions to my values. And I can start to look at these are the values that, that are more important than the way that I might be feeling right now. Right. Even though I feel like I'm trapped, maybe I just need to access a different perspective that has more freedom on the other side of that. Right. And that perspective is available to us all right now if we're willing to slow down that momentum that we've created, whether inside or outside of us, be okay being a beginner and access some of those files that have helped us get where we want rather than burn some of the bridges that we've taken the time to build. I think we're more afraid oftentimes of success than we are of failure because failure we know. Failure is like more comfortable because most of us have been in that place. And so I think there's other places where we can self-sabotage you know, we can, we can bet on ourselves and that's a great thing. But when we bet on ourselves, sometimes we can fall backwards from that because we say like, Ooh, you know, like I'm really familiar with what failure looks like, but I'm not so sure what, who I'm going to have to become if it actually works out. And so that's what keeps us from taking the leap. It's not so much like I want to be successful. No, I'd rather just be mediocre. I'll stay back and not risk. It's like afraid of what we might have to become or who we might have to become and what we may have to do in that unfamiliar place of the next level for us. Yeah, I, I love what Cicely is saying in this clip because of how, how true it is. How when we have a difficult situation or when we have been hurt or when we have failed at something or we've hit a stumbling block, I mean, that becomes a very intrinsic thing that, that like gets into our body. We, I heard somebody say, I, who knows if this is true, uh, but we're the only mammals that hold trauma, right? Which is crazy, like, yeah, because a, uh, an axis deer will get chased by a lion or a leopard. And then five minutes later, you'll see it eating grass again, as long as it lived through the experience. What would, what would you and I do if we were in that situation? If I got chased by a lion, I wouldn't be able to eat for like, the next three to four hours, at least, I would be telling other people about it. Did you see, are they anywhere around? <laughs> like, I would, I would be the most paranoid, like, uh, low-performing axis deer on the, <laughs> in the Serengeti because of how impactful those, those uh, negative experiences are. And so, because those things are so impactful and because we don't have a great culture, just in general in the U.S. of celebrating victories, it's kind of like, oh yeah, but it wasn't a big deal. It was like, we really minimize, uh, we really minimize uh, trophies and we maximize traumas uh, for whatever reason that is. I'm not sure, but uh, we typically have a better vision for those things that have impacted us more. And if it has been losses, then we'll take the devil we know rather than the angel we don't. 
that's what we'll do. And when we're, we would like to succeed, but we're terrified of failing. We would like to be known as somebody who can be counted on, who's consistent, who's like the person, the, the go-to guy or the go-to gal in the family. We want to be that. But what we don't want to be is the black sheep of the family. We don't want to be cast out. We don't want to be the one who, when the mother-in-law says, oh, I can't believe you married him. It was this and that. We don't want to be that person or the, the or that person who uh, has, uh, we don't want to fulfill people's worst fears about us. And that social thing is tough. So we have to get out of that. We have to get out of that. People use this crabs in a bucket analogy as if there's a bunch of like, really mean, angry crabs trying to pull this one crab back into the bucket. They're all trying to get out. All of them. All of them are trying to get out of the bucket. And while they're all trying to get out independently, what they do is they all guarantee that one another are going to suffer the same fate, which is staying in that bucket. They don't realize that they're doing that. That's not their intention. They would love to see one get out because that means the other one could get out. That happens very quickly. That's not how it works because they're all trying to get out independently. That's what this podcast is. That's why I'm talking to you right now. This costs me money to put out because I think it's worth it because if I can be the one who gets out and I can show you a Cicely Newsom who got out with her husband Ayers, who got out with other people who I've mentored and coached and learned from and have been in my life who all got out, that means you can too. That means you can too. And so the first thing we have to do is we have to reset our circumstances. We have to not be around people who would, who are good to say better safe than sorry. Because what if you end up both? If we look statistically, most people are both. Most people are safe and sorry. Most people are in that situation where they never risked it. So they never got it. And now they're disappointed. They can't answer those questions that we would all like to answer. What did I do with my life? Was it valuable? Did it mean anything? All of us are going to be in that spot. Did I spend my time around the right people doing the right things and having an impact? Or will everybody just forget about me the second day I don't show up to work? Right? Because that's the truth. That's where most people are. Be radical. Be impactful. Get In order to do that, I need to change my surroundings. I need to have people who expect me to do dangerous things right? I have, I have to have people around me who know the difference between things are, that are scary and things that are dangerous and be able to say, yeah, I know that's scary, but it's not dangerous. Go do it. Stop thinking about it. Get on it. People who expect me to be successful. Yeah, we know you've never done this before, but you've done hard things before, right? Come on, get on it, right? Not people who, are say, who want me to go down. Mediocrity loves company. If people are in a job they hate, a marriage they hate, guess what they want you to do? get hired and get married. People who are in marriages that they love, they don't advocate for marriage because they know how how much difficulty it is. It's all the right kinds of difficulty. It's all the right kinds of challenge, but I would never tell somebody to get married. I would tell somebody get to get married if it's the right situation for them, if that person, if they f- believe that they found their soulmate, if they're willing to do the work that it takes to be a great partner, I would certainly tell them to get married at that point. You know, if they believe that's right, if they're committed to doing the work and building a real partnership, I would definitely tell them to do that. But it's not inherently good to get married. It's inherently good to work on your marriage if you're married. It's inherently good not to do everything that you can to keep things together. It's not inherently good 
to have a big corporate job. It's not inherently good. And here's why. Because the number one way that S&P 500 companies raise stock prices is through layoffs. Layoffs every year. That is the number one most common way, way that Fortune 500 companies that are traded publicly raise stock prices every single year. The, the most predictable way they're going to raise stock prices is through layoffs. And you know who they lay off? They lay off people who are in the middle of their career making the most money they've ever made and they lay them off right around Christmas time. You tell me how that's safe. You tell me how that's safe. No, what I think is go work for the company that you're passionate about the project you're about to do. Don't go and work for a living. Go do a life's work. And in the meantime, if you're not doing a life's work, prepare to do a life's work by working around people who expect more from you. So first, let's get out of limiting environments. Then let's invite and build unlimited relationships. And then Let's start to make decisions that give us more decisions. Let's reject the programming that says, in order to, do, to live a great life, you have to go to school and you have to get good grades and you have to go to college and get a good job and then retire and live a good life. Retire and then live a good life? Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> that, that is the most preposterous thing ever. How about let's live a good life and work a career that allows us to provide for our family in a way that we're passionate about, in a way that we're loved, that, in a way that we love in a way where we bring energy home to our family. We don't have to recover with our family because your wife isn't a nurse, your husband isn't a nurse. Like they shouldn't have to recover you and send you out. Some days it's like that at my house because some days beat me up. But most days, most days I get after it. I get after it. And that's because I believe that you, we can do work that matters and have more energy at the end of the day than we can at the beginning. Why? Because I was around people who told me that and who demonstrated that to me. They didn't come, they didn't drag their carcass into their house for their family to have to handle. They came in and they were, they, they handled business. And I think that's so important when it comes to that. So limit, first, limiting environments, right? Limiting environments, let's break free of those. Let's break free, free of limiting relationships, right? Let's break through of limiting beliefs. What are the limiting beliefs? See, I, I think most people, when it comes to limiting beliefs, they actually have limited questions. Limited questions. I think there are better questions to be asking, right? Is this, am I really supposed to be doing financial services for a living? What do you think? I, I grew up with like a calendar full of mid-sized sedans and walked around with briefcases. <laughs> That's crazy. Like this, it wasn't about the vehicle. It was about the destination for me. It was the same thing with construction. I saw how a construction could help a guy like me who has, who, who passes GED tests got his diploma, it could allow me a road where I could make money to support my family and live from a place of abundance, do something that I love and do it with a passion and that I care about and invite other people into that space. Well, insurance, despite all of my inhibitions about it and all of my prejudices about it, it was the same thing. It wasn't the vehicle, it was the destination. Can this vehicle help someone like me get from where I am to where I want to go? Is, is it limited by the economy? Is it limited by other, what are the factors that are limiting this and can I overcome those factors? And I think if I were to give one thing to people, it wouldn't be new beliefs, it'd be new questions. Thank you all for joining our conversations. We're developing this platform for simple, profound tools, 
and techniques that can help you get the best out of your life and more importantly, unlock potential. You can find me across all social platforms at The Brian Delaney and online. Come visit us at thebriandelaney.com.